This is Mark Perry, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. Welcome back, 402. This is your host here, Caroline with a K, and I have a very special, my actually not very special. This is my first international guest. So I'm super stoked because everyone else has been US-based and Mark is the first non-US-based person. So Mark Perry, originally from Canada, but currently living on a tropical island with his wife. Um, He is the owner and founder of Perry Investments and oversees a million-dollar portfolio that's well-balanced in his local area. So welcome so much, Mark, for coming out to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, So we're going to start off how we always do with the Kiss Me segment. So I'm going to get to know you a little bit better. And the 402 is going to learn about you in a different light outside of real estate investments. So please tell us, what was the first album you purchased? First album? Well, you have to know I'm almost 40 years old. So this is going way back. Oh, that's Uh, nothing. I've had people on here that have had eight tracks. Okay, so get in line, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So... And I don't think this existed in the States, actually, but I'm, I think it, uh, it was Big Shiny Tunes, um, which was back then every year. So like, there's Big Shiny Tunes, like one through, I don't know, 15 or something like that. And it's a collection of the previous year's top hits, basically, is what it was. Oh, oh my gosh, that's funny, because the last person I recorded with talked about we talked about the now series so in the u.s we have something called mm-hmm. you know now one now 50 and it's like all the top hits that what you know the one top song that's cool so you guys it was called for you guys it was called the what tune shiny tunes big big, big shiny tunes <laughs> big shiny tunes. oh okay interesting that's cool yeah. so you guys didn't have the now Ah, uh, we may have i mean i think Canada took a lot of the U.S. music culture, but I don't think U.S. took any of the Canadian music culture. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, cool. Um, so what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate? Um, it was trying to do everything on my own, 100%. It was, you know, reading books, watching videos, and seeing all these people have success and thinking that I you know, wanting what they had. But the problem was that I was trying to do it all on my own. I didn't realize that 99% or more of investors have help. They have mentors, they have coaches, they have partners, they have a team. Um, And when I started out way, way, way back when, um, I didn't realize how powerful that was. I thought like, I thought you could do it on your own. And it's really, it's almost impossible to do it on your own, especially if you want to get more than one property. So I would say that's what, it took me a while to realize um, that's what was holding me back. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's not something that people always say, right? Is that like, 
yeah, you need other people with you, but no one really talks about having, um, you know, coaches or other mentors to kind of guide you. And I think that's important to recognize. Like we always assume yeah, it, like, that. Yeah, ahead. it's it. I know. I was just going to say, um, uh, I've got, I have partners now they've got, uh, well over a hundred units and they're still continuously investing in coaching and mentoring to keep trying to level up, scale up, uh, and improve. So it doesn't matter, um, if you're on your first deal, second deal, or 150th deal or 300 deal, um, you still need to be, there's still things that you don't know and you're never, ever going to know everything about real estate even grant cardone the big shots they're experts in their area of expertise in their niche in their market but grant doesn't know anything about real estate in turks and caicos i do i know more than both i know i know more than grant does about, about real estate here so it, you're never going to know about every market all the rules regulations how things are done so um, you always have to keep learning and opening yourself up, allowing for mentorship, coaching, et cetera, uh, to improve. Yeah, that's a great point. And with that being said, so what was something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? So I, I was, the pandemic was unique for me in like being locked down. I totally didn't mind it at all. Um, wow. I'm probably, I'm probably the definition of an introvert. Um, I am okay working alone. I'm okay working, you know, in silence. And so being locked down, it was okay. Uh, and what I did was I went to work, um, on myself. I started getting into programs more. Um, and so what I got into actually at that time was high ticket affiliate marketing and, I took, I got into a course, I got mentored by somebody who was in the game, uh, having success. And what I took out of that, I made some money, um, but not enough to go full time. Um, and what I, but what I got from it was the core skills for building a brand, uh, online and using strategic attraction marketing methods, um, that allow you to sell uh, or market anything you want on any platform, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, whatever, email marketing. Um, if you have a product or service that you want to sell, you should be build building a personal brand online uh, and using attraction marketing methods to draw people into you so that you don't have to chase them down. And that's how you make your sales. And so I've taken those methods, I've taken those strategies, I've brought them over to Facebook and Instagram, but instead of doing high ticket affiliate marketing, I'm using it to find partners for a real estate deal. Oh yeah, that's great. We should probably talk offline a little bit more about that. Um, sure. And finally, what is your favorite quote? It's, it's favorite quote it's I wouldn't say it's a quote it's more like a saying and it's it's a mantra I guess that kind of keeps me level-headed um and it goes the exact I don't know the exact words but it's if you're worrying about something um something's stressing you out or you're worrying about something and there's something that you can do about it 
then there's no need to worry. And if there's nothing you can do about it, then there's no need to worry because there's nothing you can do about it. So in the end, there's really nothing that you don't need to worry about anything. Everything was going to work out one way or another. You either can control it or you can't. Yeah, that that's a good point. And also a reminder, um, there's a, this, you know, the sales and marketing guy, um, Alex Hormozzi, and he, he's really Love philosophical. Him. Yeah. He has some great mm-hmm. content and he talks about how, like you go back, he talks to his himself, like his 80 year old self talks to his present self. And it's a reminder that, okay, at that age, it is whatever I did or this thing that's bothering me now going to matter. And at the end of the day, it's like, no, it doesn't, you know, these trivial things that we get so worked up over, at, like when we're at our deathbed, like it's really not going to matter at all. Um, it's not even, you don't even have to be on your deathbed. I mean, like the age you are now and I am now, I can vividly remember um, in university, in grade school, stressing and sweating so much over a test that I had the next day or a project, a group project, speaking in front of the class. And, you know, and there's, and that's only like, how much do you not remember of that you stressed about back in the day? So, you know, the things that you're stressing about now, really in five or 10 years, even a short time from now, five or 10 years, you're, you're either not going to remember it or you're going to realize how silly it was to be stressing. Yeah, that's a great point. And I wonder if um, moving to where you currently live has anything to do with that shift or change in mentality. So tell us, Mark, which you kind of mentioned, but for the 402 that uh, missed that comment, where are you based now? I'm based in Turks and Caicos. It's an island just north of the Dominican Republic. Awesome. And is that where are you actively investing? It's where I'm actively investing now. Uh, I sold my properties in Canada and I'm all in in Turks and Caicos right now. It's just, it's too good of an opportunity. Yeah. So tell us, Mark, with all of that being said, we kind of got to know you a little bit better. We went into some, um, you know, mind shifts and being around the right types of people and having people in your circle to support you kind of conversations. Tell us what was your first deal? So my very first deal was back in Canada, actually. Um, And it was, I mean, the first purchase I bought was actually my first house. So I don't know. Do you want to know about my first house or do you want to know about my first investment? Investment. The first investment. Um, I bought very close to my house. It was a, so I lived in a condo and I bought another, it was a townhome actually. And uh, that I knew the, I obviously knew the area really well. And I knew that condominium complex really well because I lived there. Uh, so when an opportunity came up to buy another property, I, I took it. Um, the money that I got for the down payment uh, at the time, uh, I put 20% down and I got help uh, with a family member uh, to make that deal happen. I know a lot of people are not, um, they're not in a, in that position, that fortunate position to have uh, help from a family member or, or a close friend or something like that. Uh, I was fortunate enough. So that was my first investment deal. 
uh, I did everything on my own after that. Um, I did the, I, I did the deal on my own. I got, I managed it on my own, um, which is super important. I think when new people are starting out is to manage your first one or two deals. Uh, so you get, you really get a feel of everything that's involved. Um, you will likely make mistakes. There'll be things that you could have done better, but that's super important to go through experience and realize so that next year or your next deal or two or three, when a property management company is asking 10, 15%, um, you don't hesitate and you hand that over to them <laughs> because that it, the, the time and, and stress of managing properties um, is well worth that, that property management fee. But you don't realize that until you actually go through it and go through those headaches and annoyances um, that you fully appreciate that value. So tell us a little bit about this. So you got your condo, which is where you were living. And then why did you decide to buy this townhouse? Like what got you into real estate? I, I all the people that I was the influencers, I guess, that I was following at the time, um, they all had real estate. The, Everyone, everyone that I knew who had money had real estate. And so that was the common denominator. Um, and I understood the basic concepts of real estate at the time, uh, long-term generational wealth type of thing. And for me, it made sense. And for me, it sounded relatively easy. You know, other people pay the rent. Um, your mortgage, the mortgage gets paid down. You've got cash flow. The property appreciates over time. There's just multiple profit centers there from one investment. You know, there aren't other investments like that. You have you have paper investments. They don't they don't work the same way. They don't have all those multiple profit centers involved. So real estate's very unique and, and cool in that way that you have you have at least five different profit centers involved with uh, with one real estate purchase. So and you're able to leverage your money. You can you put 20% down and then use the rest of it as the bank's money or a private lender or other people's money. You can't do that with other investments. So there's there's so much power behind real estate investments. And that's that's what attracted me from day one. So where in Canada were you um, living and investing? So I... I grew up, I grew up in Prince Edward Island, a small island on the east coast, and I guess I got a thing for islands. Um, <laughs> I moved to Ottawa, um, and I spent ten years there. I got I did my master's degree there, and that's where I started working, and that's where I started my life basically. Um, and so I, that's once I started working, I got my first home, and then the following year got my first uh, investment property. So were you still working your W two job? while you had this investment property? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I still am. I'm still, I still, I don't do real estate full time. I still work. I still have a, I still have a job. And I, I'm glad that you brought up that question up because a lot of people have this stigma that they need to quit their job and do real estate full time because it's the sexy thing to do, or um, it's the dream thing to do. Well, when you're starting out, um, 
you know, my unpopular advice would be to hang on to that job as long as you can, um, unless you absolutely hate it. There's two different things there, okay? If you can tolerate your job and just don't want to work your job, that's one thing. If you, if it's physically breaking you, if it's mentally destroying you, um, then yeah, sure, look for alternatives, okay? But if you can tolerate your job and don't hate your life, then I would consider trying to keep that job for as long as possible because there are advantages with it. Obviously, yes, there's extra income, but traditional commercial banks love the fact that you have a job. So it's when if you don't have a job, it's a lot more, it's a lot more challenging to get credit from a bank. It's just the way it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're making 200 grand a year if you're self-employed it's not as easy to get a loan as it is if you've got a lower paying, steady uh, nine to five job. So I, when I see people knocking the nine to five, I just, I cringe because it's not, it's not fair and there's more to it. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it is a very, it's not such a controversial topic because everyone assumes you have to quit your job. And I think people kind of get lost and thinking like, yeah, if I do real estate, like that's what I want too. When in reality, it's just dependent on what are your long-term goals. And if your current position fits with that, then yes, you will always find cheap money with the bank versus having to take borrow money from a private or hard money lender. Right. So it's one of those things where, yeah, the nine to five job gets a bad rap, but you're right in that if you can tolerate it and you don't mind it, there's no reason that you can't still do it and then still get access to, you know, cheaper financing through the banks. hundred percent. And I mean, if you're making an extra five grand a month uh, through your real estate investments, it, it makes it makes waking up to go to your job much easier when you know, you've got that cushion on the side, you you're not forced that you don't only have one source of income and you're forced to do that job. You're doing it because you choose to. And that mind, that, shift in mindset is huge when you're waking up out of obligation or waking up by choice. It's, it's totally different. And your vacations are different. Your vacations can be bigger, better, even if they're only two weeks a year, you know, instead of going to Disneyland, now you can go to Dubai first class, you know, so there's, there's, there's more to it, you know? And I think a lot of people uh, overlook that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause you know, I had some colleagues, so I'm a teacher and there have been colleagues that I've had who will knack people who don't need the teaching job. Like they have, you know, they may have came from money or their spouse makes a lot of money or they have a large high income. So the other, my coworkers will like knack on that person that, oh yeah, they can, you know, she's taking a year off because she had a baby and she doesn't need to come back to work because her spouse can sustain her. Right. And so that, you know, I didn't really care. I was like, okay, whatever. That's their life, their problem. Um, but you're absolutely right. And that now that it's a choice, it's not an obligation. You like wake up and you're like, well, if they fired me, it's not the end of the world, right? Like you'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's a really great point um, that I don't think we've touched on with some of my other guests. So thanks for shedding light on that. And with all that being said, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about your um, first deal in Canada, but now since you're primarily in Turks and Caicos, like how was that transition or how did you end up in Turks and like, 
why, you know, how and why did you start investing there? Right. Like that's the big question. Yeah. Well, the big question, the big answer is in how did I get to Turks? And that could be a podcast session all on its own. So I'm, I'm try to give you the, the short story, but it's really difficult. Um, so I'll allow, if you want to, if you want to elaborate on it, you can go ahead and ask, but I'll give the short answer. Um, I hate winter. Okay. I hate the cold. I hate snow. And there, uh, nine years ago, we had a snowstorm in April and I like to golf and we're normally golfing in April. I wasn't able to golf in April because we had a massive snowstorm and I, I just kind of had like a mental, emotional breakdown. Um, of sorts where I was like, I've just, I've had enough. I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not the life I signed up. Um, and after the, after you're 18, you know, you, you may not, you can't choose where you were born. You can't choose that life in the beginning, but after 18, you've got no excuses. Um, you're not a tree. You can, you can move around. There's no excuses. Um, so my girlfriend and I at the time, we got out the whiteboard, we got out cue cards, and we went crazy. We researched so many different places around the world where we thought we might want to live, researched and researched them all. These were very calculated risks that we were taking. Um, and we had never heard about Turks and Caicos. She remembered somebody looking for a job in her field. Um, in a tropical destination. She found that opportunity, reached out, it was still available. Um, you know, so we came on a working vacation to check out the place, see if, if we could live here. Um, and then in so September of that year, we, we decided let's make this happen. And we aimed to be here by the end of that year. Uh, she came down in January and I came down two weeks later. Um, the irony in that is that my flight when I was leaving, which is first of February, my flight was canceled due to a snowstorm. So I, I had to delay 24 hours to get out of Ottawa to come here because, and I had to sleep on a bed with no sheets that night because I, we had clean, we were renting, we, we had tenants coming in to our wow. home. And I had to call them and say, can you come in tomorrow? Because I need somewhere to sleep for one more night. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it came down. It was that tight, um, but it all worked out. And so uh, I've been here ever since. And so I met my, I met my now wife here uh, as well. Got married three years ago and I have no intention of, of going back. This is, this is too, it's too good. I mean, that's home now, you know, it is, it is. And it's a, it's a four hour flight direct to Toronto, um, two hour flight to Miami. So, you know, we're not, we're, we're still accessible. Um, we're not in a, we're not like in Bora Bora where it takes, you know, two, three days to get there. Uh, if we have to go home or we want to go home, we can go back to civilization pretty quick. So um, do they use the U.S. dollar or they have their own, uh, in, or what is it, currency? Currency, yeah, no, they use the U.S. dollar. It's, uh, they use, everything's U.S. dollar everywhere here. And 
there um, it's a British overseas territory. So there's a lot of UK um, uh, government type of systems here as well. Oh, wow. That's interesting that they don't, they won't use the pound. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the only tour, the only industry that they have here is tourism. There's a, there's literally nothing else here. Um, And so 99% of that tourism comes from North America. That's just, that's just what it is. We have other tourism uh, from Europe, uh, but, but the vast majority is from America, and that's just because how, it's very easily accessible. I gotcha. Wow. Okay. So you took a calculated risk, and then you decide you guys decided on Turks and Caicos. But like, was it because of the accessibility, or what were the driving factors, or just that your girlfriend at the time had a position, and that just made it easy? Yeah. Well, okay. So that's yeah. That's a good point. Good question. Um, in order to live in another country, you have to have status. You have to have a visa or some kind of documentation, right? So um, she ended up getting a work permit. She got a job here in her field. Uh, so we came down based on that. That was our income. I was working for the federal government in Canada. And so what I did was I started up a consulting uh, company when I left the government. And these are things that you know, it's not just my personal story. These are things that people should also be considering if they want to transition or move to another country, move somewhere else or transition out of their job. If you've been at your job, I mean, it depends, okay, what kind of job you have. But a lot of the times, the skills that you develop at your job are um, transferable either online or to your, another, your own brick and mortar business, whatever. But with technology, the way it is now, uh, the skill sets are very easily transferred to online. So what I did was I was, instead of receiving applications from companies, the government, I was now helping those same companies submit those applications to my former colleagues. So I, I, and that's something you just have to, like, I, again, I got mentorship with that. I, I, I took somebody experienced in real estate out to lunch and we just started chatting and he said, why don't you consult for these people? And I said, great. That's, uh, I don't know how to do it, but you know, if you explain, then I'll, I'll go for it. And he explained how it works and how companies pay a lot of money for uh, consultation fees. So I just flipped sides and that's how I was earning income in the beginning. Now the trick, the catchy part was that I wasn't, we weren't married. So my consulting company, I didn't have a visa or work permit uh, for that. It was self, I'm self-employed, I'm working out of my house. I didn't have, I was a tourist essentially. My wife, or sorry, my girlfriend had um, a work permit. She can come and go as she pleases, but I didn't, I, I, w- I had a tourist visa, which allowed me to, at most uh, three months at a time. And I'd have to leave the country and come back. They stopped me from doing that. And so I ended up having to get a job in Turks and Caicos so that I could get a work permit and stay here uh, more permanent. So, 
yeah, are there challenges in moving to another country? Sure, but you have to be, you have to trust yourself. Um, you have to think of the worst case scenario and the worst reasonable worst case scenario <laughs> and ask yourself if you, if, if you, are you confident to overcome that challenge? Uh, and if you are, then go, go for it. Take the risk because what's the worst that can happen? And everything, you, you're not going to have everything figured out you have to you have to figure things out as you go, but trust in yourself that you have that skill set to do so. Um, so that's that's what I had to do, and I've been now I've been working in Turks uh, with a work permit uh, ever, ever since. So, are you still consulting for the Canadian government? I do it um, as a kind gesture. Like I still get paid for it, but. Um, my full-time jobs and real estate keep me pretty busy. So I don't, I don't have time to, to market and push that business as much as I did in the past, but I do still have a, um, clients that come to me asking for help for this or that still have my website up and stuff. So if people do need help, I will still work on it because it's, it's decent money. Right. Uh, and I can work on it at 10 o'clock at night if I want to. <laughs> So I still do it, but it's not, it's not my, it's not, it's definitely not the bulk of my day. Okay. And so, you know, along those lines, like what are you doing some type of consulting for the local government there or what kind of position or work were you able to find? And do people in Turks speak English? I mean, I'm sure they learn English, but do they have their own native language there? No, uh, Turks Islanders, uh, speak English. Um, oh, but there is a very large uh, Dominican population uh, and Haitian population here because of the proximity. Um, so there's a lot of Spanish speaking people here from DR. There are a lot of uh, Creole speaking people from Haiti. That's usually the, uh, the labor force here for construction labor type jobs. Um, Entonces, ¿tú hablas español? Uh, poquito. <laughs> uh, I, I, it should be, it should be more because my wife is actually Venezuelan, um, oh. and speaks fluent Spanish, obviously. <laughs> uh, I am on like level four hundred in Duolingo. <laughs> I'm work, I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, anyway, they, the. The language of life here is English and Spanish would probably be a close So some sort of Spanglish is what they got going on down there. Yeah, because even the Spanish uh, from the Dominican side is, is not uh, um, not so Spanish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They have some very interesting words that they use in DR and they talk so fast. It's like, yeah, I yeah. can't even understand. Um, well, yeah, other Venezuelans and Spanish people from Spain have difficulty understanding. It's just like a different dialect. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. So then tell us a little bit about your first deal down in Turks and Caicos. You know, we got a, an idea about your move and like you're over the snow you wanted something different you're like i can't control this as a kid but as an adult i'm gonna take the reins and just change my life so you moved down to yeah. Texas, Pecos, and then 
you figured it out as far as like working. And then how did you transition that into real estate? So I started to learn uh, to work with partners and other people. That was that was a, a huge uh, shift in our investment strategies. Uh, so we, I was living in a condominium complex down there, and again, um, obviously became very familiar with it. The area, I liked it. I could see other people liking it. Um, I realized that there were tourists in the area staying there as well. So an opportunity came up. I believe the first part is. I started to become friends with a realtor and that was just by chance um, or, you know, I bumped into them and we started talking and I love real estate. So we, we clicked. Right. And I mean, he probably saw me as a client um, before a friend, but I, it doesn't matter. It worked out. We're still friends. Um, and so he brought this deal to me where it's, it was an off market deal. It was going to go to market. The guy was thinking about selling. And this is the advantage um, that people need to take advantage of is to make friends with, with contractors, lawyers, um, realtors, because uh, these are the people where um, that get the deals before they go to the market. No one, some people want to go to the market to see how much money they can get. But there's other times where people just want to offload it. Be like, hey, I'm thinking about selling. You know anyone who wants to buy? And those are the deals that I like to, to go for. So it's for many reasons, obviously. But, um, so this deal came up off market and it was it was a good deal. It was, it was price low. Price low because it needed upgrading. It was the, the condo was fine, but it was just old and dated and had original furniture and needed some upgrades. So uh, it was priced fairly low. And the I asked if the seller was will I asked them if the seller would be willing to um, finance it for a year for a year, which would give us time to get our finances together and get a mortgage. Getting a mortgage here can sometimes take time. So. Uh, when you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> things have changed, but it was, it did take us like six months uh, or more actually to get a mortgage because the bank um, lost our application. We had to resubmit everything. They just take forever. They work when they want to. There's a holiday every single month, which means they take a week off. So <laughs> it's, it's challenging um, to get things done sometimes here with the commercial banks. So we asked, we said, Hey, we, let's close this deal. We can close in a couple of weeks. We'll do a fast close for you. If you can finance it uh, for us, we'll give you, uh, we'll give you 20,000 now as a, as a deposit. And we'll give you this much money for um, payments every month uh, for a year. And they agreed. So we had that locked up. And then we put a tenant in there um, to, for long, this was like just before pandemic um, hit. So we were going to do a short-term rental with it and then pandemic hit. So then we quickly pivoted and put a long-term tenant in there to ride out the pandemic. Um, what so was it, the it purchase? Got the, purchase was 150 And did you have to rehab it at all or was moving right? No, there was no rehab. It just needed to, like we re 
we refinished um, the vanity, the bathroom vanity. We refinished the kitchen cabinets. Uh, we got a brand new mattress. We there was like this ugly armoire that was in there, so we got rid of that. Um, refinished it. So um, just cosmetic stuff. We put we put a coat of paint everywhere. Um, got a new fridge. So it was just little stuff. It wasn't like a total rehab. Um, and then, so that, that also gave us time, uh, again, to save up more money and then close out the deal, uh, a year later. Uh, we did have a partner, uh, for that deal as well, uh, from Canada. It was a friend who to this day is still, uh, I guess, jealous that they're not also not here living with us. Uh, but they, so they've, we've stayed in touch a lot. Um, and they've, they wanted to invest with us. So, um, they came in as a partner, uh, for that deal and they're still a partner in that deal and they still have not yet visited Turks and Caicos. So this is, this is something else. I mean, people think they have to, again, know everything about where they're investing. And it's not the case. You just need to have the right people in place. Uh, trust the people that you're working with. Uh, with the technology that's out there today, you can see all the pictures. You can, you can get videos, pictures, data, whatever you want, whatever you need to make an educated decision on a purchase. And that's what this uh, lady did. So she did everything she could online and she got asked to do the photos and the tour of the unit to make sure it was okay for her. She asked us questions um, and obviously she, she trusted us. So uh, that's that's the basic, that's basically how our uh, first deal went down here. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's great. Like a lot of valuable lessons, right? Like working in your home, like back in Canada, you kind of know how things work and timelines are pretty standard and, you know, strict. And then you move to another country. And I mean, the island life, right, is that they take it a little bit slower. And but those are all valuable. We're, we're valuable to you to kind of understand the market and how people work down there. So that's great that you were able to sell or finance and then um, get the deal done. Yeah, so, people think that like the, the real estate process is very similar um, in, in, ver- in, in con- different countries. The, the process is, is very similar. Some of the rules will change a bit, uh, regulations or the process, but overall, it's a very similar process. And, it's, and there's so many countries out there. I follow someone on Instagram. Um, I can't remember their handle right now, but uh, this guy invests all over the world and you know it's because there are great opportunities in other countries but people are scared to to move forward with them just because it's a foreign country so that stigma needs to be removed and with the volatile north american market there are there are more opportunities opening up in other countries that people are missing out on and turks and caicos being one of them because one of the main reasons is taxes uh, and that's one of the reasons why we're here is because all the income that we earn here is tax free. So there's, there are no property taxes. There's no income tax. There's no income tax filing. There's no estate tax, no corporate tax, no inheritance tax, and no capital gains tax. So 
all the money that you make here, you get to keep. So have you rescinded your Canadian citizenship? Like you don't have to pay Canada uh, any taxes? It's the, I, I don't have residency. And residency is primarily, from what I've learned, is, is a tax term. I mean, you will never, I'll never lose my citizenship. I'm always going to have oh. my Canadian passport, right? Um, but my residency changes. And that residency determines your taxes. So I am a non-resident of Canada. Um, I'm, I'm a resident of Turks and Caicos. I, I don't even have to file. I don't have to file a tax return in Canada even, let alone pay taxes because I'm not a resident there anymore. I'm not a, um, a person contributing to society there. Therefore, I don't need to pay taxes um, for the services that Canada provides to people. Mm. Um, but beyond that, I'm not going to provide any tax advice <laughs> to your, uh, <laughs> to your listeners because it's, it's not a, everyone has to get their own independent, uh, tax advice from their own, uh, accountants. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah, things do get a little bit comp- more complicated when you're still living in, at least in the U S cause when I was in China, I still had to pay taxes, even though I was like on a U.S. grant. I don't know. It made my tax situation a little bit more complex. Um, But yeah, we are not providing any sort of financial advice, people. This is purely for educational purposes. Please consult your own accountant. That's the public service announcement of today. So with all that being said, Mark, uh, if you could go back in time, you know, when you were still in Canada, dreading those snowy days, uh, what's like one piece of advice that you could give or would give to yourself um, if you're looking to start all over again? The If I was to do it all over again, I would be 100% focused on building a personal brand online, uh, starting with one platform, uh, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, starting with one and slowly uh going to other platforms and sharing content on those platforms that are talking or speaking to my brand and what I am about, what I want to do and achieve. Um, that makes things so much easier. Uh, it's like a business card for people when they stumble upon your page. Um, they see what you're about. If they want what you're doing, they will reach out to you. It's so much easier. And along those same lines, I, I would be working with people so much sooner than I, than I did because doing it alone just doesn't make any sense. Um, if you only want one or two properties, okay, go nuts. You can probably do that on your own. Uh, it'll still probably be slower, but if you want to start getting four, five, six, 10, 20, a hundred properties, if that's what your dream truly is to do, then, um, I would be networking. I don't like that word. As soon as I said it, I don't like it. I don't like that word because it's, it's overused. Um, It's diluted. When I say networking, I do mean connecting with people who are actually going to make a difference to your progress, connect with realtors, connect with lawyers, contractors, Um, try to provide them with some value so that they um, feel it's worth having you in their circle um, they'll, so that they can provide some value back to you. You don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I would never try and do this on my own again. 
Um, <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't make sense. So that, those are the two things, personal brand um, on real, personally, it would be on real estate and connecting with other investors and people who can help um, me get to where I want to be in my real estate journey. Yeah, and those are two really great pieces of advice, especially those that are looking to get into this business. So where can the 402 find out more about you or connect with you if they want to learn more about Mark, Turks and Caicos and what you've been up to? Sure. So I would say there's three different ways. Um, obviously, the uh, a good one is Instagram. Uh, my handle is uh, palm, palm tree life with a period in between. So palm.tree.life. And then it would be, um, you can email me as well, uh, mark at perryinvestments.ca. And I also have a website, uh, perryinvestments.ca as well, uh, which talks a bit more about Turks, why we're in Turks, why we're investing in Turks. Um, there's a couple, some blog posts there and uh, you can sign up to our email list which I send out infrequently, but um, when I do, it's packed with value on potential deals and uh, what the market's like in terms. So those will be the three best ways to, to reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the show. And that is all. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story, or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.